in my mind, I have, I, I drew a picture for Gaza, that people are living happily, the portals are open, every graduate has a job, uh, families are living well, women are receiving uh, their rights, children are re receiving their rights. Uh, we have one government, we have one authority, we don't have this political division. We don't request a lot, but we want to live normally, like any country in the world. Now. That was Khulu Jouefil, a 23-year-old resident of Gaza, sharing her hopes for the future of her home. I'm Lethal Firestone, and you're listening to Gaza Up Close, a podcast by Disha about what happens when two million people are denied the basic right to freedom of movement. Khulud was one of many young people who found herself unable to fulfill her educational aspirations because of the closure Israel and Egypt impose on Gaza. I got a scholarship outside Gaza, but I couldn't leave because I didn't have a permission, Israeli permission from Erez crossing border. Um, at first, I, I felt like my dream like went in smoke and I don't have another chance to do whatever I want. Khulud was among several hundred Gaza residents who seek a path to studying abroad each year. But she did not receive permission from Israel to travel to her studies in the U.S. and Egypt's border was not open at the time. Khulud could not even consider applying to any of the Palestinian universities that sit just over an hour's drive from her home in the West Bank because of Israel's separation policy. Travel from Gaza to study at West Bank institutions of higher learning has been banned since the year 2000. I asked Gisha's executive director, Tanya Harry, to tell me about the separation policy. For the past two and a half decades, Israel has increasingly restricted movement between Gaza and the West Bank down to its current level. So separation is the rule and access is actually the rare exception. Israel calls uh, this policy the separation policy and it includes restrictions on access between Gaza and the West Bank, um, but not just isolating Gaza also from Israel and from the rest of the world. The restrictions have devastated civilian life in both Gaza and in the West Bank. The restrictions are separating families, restricting access to educational opportunities, health services, and of course, de-developing the Palestinian economy. Um, most people would think that, you know, this is all about security, and certainly security considerations play a role in some of the restrictions. But many, many aspects of the policy just can't be justified by security needs. Rather, they're serving Israel's political and demographic goals of fragmenting the Palestinian territory. While movement restrictions on Gaza impact every aspect of life in the Strip, preventing access to educational opportunities is of particular concern because over half the population of Gaza is under 18 years old. They live in the 21st century under middle-age circumstances because of external political decisions. To carve out a prosperous future for themselves, these young people need access to education, sometimes beyond what local universities and colleges offer. I work as project coordinator at Aisha Association for Women and Child Protection. Khulud and her team advocate for gender integration through economic empowerment and psychosocial support to marginalized groups in the Gaza Strip. 
In order to be academically prepared for this position, Khulud would have loved to pursue a degree in gender studies, but there are no gender studies programs in Gaza, and Israel's policy prevents her from reaching the West Bank, where there is one such program. While Khulud has never left Gaza, Rawan Yari is a young woman who was lucky enough to obtain a travel permit from Israel to leave Gaza to go study in the UK. Every summer break, she tried to come home to visit her family, but Rafah Crossing was closed or only opened intermittently when she was abroad. The Israeli authorities, for their part, either did not respond to her requests to enter Gaza through Erez in time, or told her that if she was permitted to enter, she would not be allowed to exit again in order to return to her studies. After spending four years away from home, I asked Rowan why she decided to return to Gaza. I miss my family. I wanted to come home and see them. While studying at Oxford was monumental for Rowan, this opportunity came at the cost of being far away from her home, family, and friends. Rowan was permitted to study thousands of miles from home, but not in the West Bank, only 50 miles away. After Rowan received an exit permit, she had to go through the arduous and often scary process of transiting through Erez Crossing between Israel and Gaza. So even when I when I left, um, my movement was decided by someone else, and uh, just the 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 experience of of crossing a checkpoint, it's a it's a a dehumanizing experience to say the least. You deal with military um, personnel, um, they might interrogate you, they might question you. And most of the time I, until recently, you could actually hold on to your ID papers. But um, now, because if you're from Gaza, you can't. So you're moving from one checkpoint to another without your passport. Someone else has your passport. But she said it is still worth enduring this stress for the opportunity to study outside Gaza. I think leaving home as an experience for any young person is really important just to to broaden their perspective of the world so they can meet other people, meet other points of view. Um, see other ways of living and other um, ways they can be creative and uh, productive in the world. Um, as a woman, it it really made a huge difference in how how independent I am in everything, basically. While Rowan and Khulud struggled to achieve their educational and professional dreams. The majority of women in Gaza do not have access even to the limited opportunities these unique women cultivated for themselves. In her final thoughts during our call, Rowan sounded optimistic about the power women in Gaza have to transcend the limitations placed on them by their life circumstances in Gaza. But naturally, these sentiments also brought up some emotions. My hopes for for women in Gaza is that they would keep rising the way they're rising now. I think even when I feel really weak, um, I, f- I find a lot of strength in 
and the examples of women in Gaza because I know that they're going through so much um, yet they're still getting up getting out of bed every day and Um, yeah, making making lives, basically. Even as the women in Gaza try to persevere, there's only so much they can do to transcend their circumstances without changes in policy. Obstructing freedom of movement denies access to fundamental human rights. To learn more about how restrictions on movement affect women's employment opportunities in Gaza, listen to the next episode. Thanks for listening to Gaza Up Close.